0: It's time for General Hospital Saves the World, one storyline and one life lesson at a time. Not only do they save the world from the freeze machine in Port Charles, not once but twice, but they save us from our bad mental habits and negative thinking. The citizens of Port Charles, day in and day out, go after their passion, pursue life with zest and vigor, independent of the good opinions of others. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello GH fans, current, former, and those coming back to us after 30, 40, 50, 60 years. <laughs> this is Caddy Carroll, and I am so glad you could join us today. Poor General Hospital saves the world because it does. The name has changed, but we are still exploring seven impactful life lessons that will help you and me lead better lives and save the world. All right. Number one this week of December 3rd, medical malpractice is a multi-billion dollar industry. And you might say, now, why are we talking about this? Because Finn right now, our beloved Dr. Hamilton Finn, who has saved Millions of people with his cure to Blackwood's disease and save the hospital as well by selling that the patent on that drug, he is being sued for malpractice. One of his clients died of colon cancer, and currently he's very worried about losing his career and his medical license. So it got me thinking. How big of a deal is malpractice? And is it still as large as it seemed back like in the 90s? Well, as a matter of fact, it is. In fact, between 2010 and 2019, approximately $42 billion was paid out to victims of medical malpractice. This is according to JustPoint.com. And I found another great site from our federal government. And by the way, there's just so much great data out there that is free. So before you pay someone for data mining or to, to find data if you're running a business, go look and see what's free, especially through the library as well. And the librarians will help you find this kind of stuff. I just love it, love it. So this website is mpdb.hrsa.gov. And it's the National Practitioner Data Bank of the Health and Human Services Department, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, for malpractice lawsuits. You can go on there and it's really It's really cool. You can run any reports you want with the data they have available. You can do it by action type, malpractice payment ranges, uh, practitioner types. So this might be really useful for Finn and his attorney, whomever that turns out to be in the current situation, to go look at how many, maybe how many infectious disease doctors. I don't know if they have it to that granularity, but how many lose or win their cases. Um, the data is pretty overwhelming, though, that most of these malpractice suits do not go to trial. The ones that do are overwhelmingly decided in favor of the defendant, the doctor. And I ran a report on malpractice payment ranges over the last 20 years. The $82 billion has been paid out, and that was 267,000 cases. So it's a very busy litigation specialty for sure. And when I ran the report on the practitioner type, MDs, Physicians, or M.D.s, definitely have the most malpractice cases against them. So Finn is in good company, but it highlights this issue in U.S. healthcare, which a lot of other countries don't have because they have socialized medicine or universal government-provided healthcare. So the malpractice industry isn't quite the same as it is in the United States. But it'll be interesting to watch this case with Finn and how it progresses with his lawyers and another you know, interesting thing about our society that it highlights is the difference in accessibility and representation in the legal system due to wealth. As he tried to get Diane to be his lawyer, but she had already been contacted by the family of the patient who was suing him to be their attorney. Unfortunately, their status as a wealthy family will garner them an advantage in the courtroom against our dear Dr. Finn. So I hope he gets a great attorney, maybe That gorgeous Jackson Montgomery will come back from Pine Valley to help him out. (laughs) But based on the data, there'll probably be a settlement. But being that it's on General Hospital, it'll go to trial, I think. And hopefully Dr. Finn comes out okay. Because as we've learned the data in the case, that he did provide this patient with good care. And so to be sure, like one of our other life lessons we can remember in regards to this case, is take control of your own healthcare. We talked about that a few times last year in regards to Sasha and Marshall Ashford. So be a participant in your own healthcare plan and be in constant communication with your doctor or find a new one if you don't like your doctor. (laughs) Yay, okay. Number two, fashion alert, Trina's pink crop jacket. It's pink and white tartan design and she was at the art museum with Spencer. This was a couple weeks ago, and but this jacket was so cute, and it's cropped. I found it online. It's a cropped double-breasted jacket from Maeve at Anthropologie. Now, I could not find it being available now, and they actually have the model on the picture with the shorts, too, the tartan shorts. Super cute. But if you're looking on anthropology, there's a cute little pink jacket that's similar with some green and black and white. It's called the Essential Antwerp Earlier Crop Jacket. Very cute, but it's $395 right now. That's a little high, I think, for a short little jacket. I found a similar one on Talbots and then on this fast fashion site, Toby, T-O-B-I. I don't know how I feel about these fast fashion sites, though, because it's usually not as good quality. I'm not saying Toby is or isn't because I've never used it, but... Check that out before you buy. And I'm not sure how good that is for the environment. More waste with the fast fashion. They did have similar jackets. I love how the styles are classic, yet with the cropping and design made to be more youthful for an up-and-coming artist like Trina. So this week, as you're out and about, try to get something maybe on sale, maybe on Etsy that gives you a little spray in your step, like that little pink jacket, a fun Christmas item with the green <laughs> and without spending too much money. And I didn't know anthropology was that expensive. But of course, my daughters told me, oh, yes, it's an expensive store, but super cute stuff, I must say. But I don't think I'd spend the 300 on a little jacket right now. But if it's in your budget, do it. Make yourself happy. Number three best relationship advice ever from none other than Ava Jerome, our Mary queen of Scots of Port Charles. Yes. Tell your partner how you feel and why. Don't blame them or point fingers. No raised voices and listen to them and how they feel. And she said these wise words in the art gallery to Trina, who's having more issues with Spencer and his situation at home with Ace and Esme. This is not a good situation for Trina. Spencer is playing house with Esme and Ace, and he is parenting Ace, and he does get away on trips with Trina like the great one they took to New York City. But she's definitely coming in second to his relationship with Ace and Esme. So Trina took Ava's advice to heart and had this conversation recently with Spencer, telling him how she felt. Jocelyn had wisely counseled Spencer before Trina had to have this conversation. So he had hashed out some of his ambiguity around the Esme situation. This was such a good lesson for all women to put themselves first and to not accept a situation like that, where they're really in a secondary uh, place in that relationship. Trina really laid down the law to Spencer and said she would not tolerate that any longer. Yay, a great lesson again. And It looks like he is going to put Trina first and he's going to stop having a fit about Esme moving out and he's going to treat Ace like his brother instead of his son. And biologically speaking, we know the situation before Esme became pregnant, uh, Ace could have been his son. But would a DNA test between Nicholas, Spencer's father, and Spencer actually be able to tell who was the father? I don't know. Only in poor Charles, right? But we should all heed Ava's advice. And we know Ava, she's been through so many relationships. As the Mary Queen of Scots, she has killed a few husbands. And she knows something about relationships and how to move forward. So if you're struggling with a situation like Trina's or just any relationship, take Ava's advice this week and be honest. State your feelings. Don't blame. Let your partner do the same or your mom or your child, brother, sister, Yes, this is great advice from Miss Ava Jerome, and she's also the fashion queen of Port Charles people. Don't forget that. <laughs> All right. Number four, libation alert. Do people really still drink scotch? I was wondering this as Anna was visiting Sonny at his office. She stopped by to let him know the latest on Charlotte's benevolence and the fact that the shooter probably was aiming, aiming for Sonny. They didn't think Charlotte tried to shoot her at the Metro Court. They do think she burned down her house and vandalized her apartment, was going through her things at her new apartment, Maxie's old apartment, her new apartment. So she was letting Sonny know so he could add additional security. He offered her a scotch right off the bat. And it really got me thinking, is this something people really drink? How many women drink scotch? So I found a great website. I couldn't get the male-female breakdown of drinking scotch, but it was from my alma mater, Penn State, from Penn State Extension. And I'll put the link in the pod notes. They have a whole um, analysis on alcoholic beverage consumption trends and trends 2023. So the consumption of spirits is going up across the board. It's interesting with the younger generations and consumption of alcohol overall 63% of adults age 18 or older consumed alcohol. The drinking rate goes up more when you narrow it to the legal drinking age of 21 to 65%. And there's so many interesting statistics. Again, you can slice and dice from this website. Beverage preferences, purchases, um, 30% of consumers prefer liquor, 31% wine, 35% beer. And this is the 52-week period ending June 1st, 2020. And a greater percentage of hard seltzer, beer seltzers, spirit seltzers were consumed by those between the ages of 21 and 34. And a greater percentage of pre-mixed cocktails uh, were consumed by adults age 65 and older. So I thought that was interesting. Well let's see. Millennials were actually consuming. 40% of them are consuming spirits. So they're drinking more of the scotch, scotch whiskey, a greater percentage than Gen Xers and baby boomers. And it looks like baby boomers consume more craft beer. Yes. So it's very cool. And I was shocked to learn, though, that the consumption of spirits was growing this much. And Scotch whiskey, I did not know, manufacturers of Scotch whiskey in Scotland, it's a multi-grain whiskey. So different from the whiskey. I think the manufacturing is different than here in the United States. And it's made in accordance with the law in Scotland. So it's made from malted barley, and commercial distilleries began introducing it from wheat and rye in the late 18th century. So says, as of 2022, there are 141 whiskey distilleries operating in Scotland, making Scotch whiskey one of the most notable things when tourists come to the country. It's just be- Scotland's beautiful The mountains. It's it's really a beautiful. You got the mountains, you got the ocean. It's it's a great place to visit and probably to live too finding all this out. Of course, Sonny Corinthos would be a person who would drink whiskey. And probably Anna as well had to drink a lot of scotch with her cohorts as a spy and with the folks she was deceiving in order to save the world. So I think if I drink scotch whiskey, it'll be with a mixed drink with some fruity, fruity things and some sugar. So maybe try a little Scotch whiskey this week. Be like Anna and Sunny Corinthos. Maybe it's a necessary uh, occasional indulgence in order to save the world. Yeah, I love it. Number five, Morgan Fairchild is amazing. Hello. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe she's on General Hospital as well as a slew of Hallmark movies right now. She plays the Tricky Haven on General Hospital of the Home and Heart. It's like a HGTV host. And she's had a role in manipulating Sasha for ratings. She looks fantastic. I just can't believe it. I don't know how many plastic surgeries she's had or how many treatments, but who cares? Because she looks fabulous. And she's still working after all these years. She was born back in 1950, and she began acting in the 1970s. She started out on a soap, of course as so many actors and actresses do. It was Search for Tomorrow. And then she went on to star as the first Jenna on Dallas. I don't know if you, if folks remember that. I used to love Dallas. Went between Miami Vice and Dallas on Friday nights. <laughs> and she left Dallas and uh, went on to uh, star in Flamingo Road. And then, of course, Falcon Crest, where she played the iconic attorney, Jordan Roberts. And I was interested to find out her first acting job, she was a body double for Faye Dunaway during the filming of Bonnie and Clyde. I love that. And the reason for this was uh, a main reason, not the only reason, I don't think, but she was, she had to drive the car because Faye Dunaway could not drive a stick shift, but Morgan Fairchild could. So remember, you never know what little skills you have, how they're going to come in handy and maybe get you a job and get your foot in the door somewhere. <laughs> but if you look at her resume, it's amazing the amount of shows she's been on. Happy Days, Kojak, Policewoman, Bob Newhart, Morgan Mindy. It goes on and on, Love Boat. Just amazing. And if you look at her official website, she also has stuff there about her charity she supports and a lot of her activism in the world to help save the world. And she's one of those folks who really gives back and stands up for the causes she believes in, just like the good citizens of Port Charles. And the thing that struck me as well about Miss Miss Fairchild, what we've been talking about all through last year on this podcast is not looking at working in a job you don't like your whole career and then retiring to travel or sit on your butt, whatever But continuing to find your purpose and passion and continuing to work and getting rid of this Western idea of retirement, which, as we know from talking about the blue zones on this podcast, that it's not really healthy, that we need to have passion and purpose in our life if we want to live to 100 and beyond. And Morgan Fairchild really represents this. She's continuing to act and grow. She takes little jobs. She takes big jobs. She has something on her website about a play she did in Kansas City last spring with good friends. I mean, it's just so cool how she takes all sorts of jobs, just whatever roles interest her. So glad she's on Durville Hospital. I hope that character keeps coming back. Yeah, she's kind of an evil character, a conniving ratings monger. Yep. And I, it's just a great character. And she's must know by now she's not a match for Lucy Coe in the end. So keep going, Morgan Fairchild. But Lucy, Maxie, and Sasha don't be manipulated by Haven on General Hospital. (laughs) All right. Number six, father's grandfathers. Learn from Marshall and Curtis Ashford's recent conversations and how honest they are being with Trina and how openly she can talk with them about her love life and her struggles with Spencer and deciding what the future holds. Her discussions with Curtis and Marshall influenced her decision to tell Spencer she could no longer go on with him in a relationship, having him live with Esme and and Ace. Upon coming home that day she had the conversation, she found her mom was not there, she was still at work, and she was just going to run up to her room. But Curtis and Marshall stepped in to be that sounding board for her and that confidant to work through her feelings for Spencer what he meant to her, and what she was willing to sacrifice to stay with him. That is very unusual, but hopefully won't be for long, folks. So see how a father and grandfather can be a confidant to their daughter and granddaughter? Even though the whole Ashford family is not happy with Spencer being in Trina's life, they supported whatever decision she wanted to make. This acceptance and openness allowed her to talk with them and made her open to their wealth of knowledge, having lived life and had relationships and understanding what was an acceptable sacrifice. So fathers, grandfathers, brothers, cousins, take the time and have those discussions when the opportunity arises like it did between Trina and Curtis and Marshall. And oh, by the way, where is Trina's other father? Taggart. I haven't seen him in a while. And I think it's important that he stay in her life and that they show that on General Hospital. So hopefully we'll see more of him. And I thought he was gonna be the new police chief, so we'll see. (laughs) All right, number seven. When you are facing a challenge or pursuing a new opportunity, instead of worrying, what if I fail? What if I bomb? Blah, blah, you know, all the what ifs. And we put ourselves down. Let's start thinking, what if I succeed? what if I shine? Christina spoke these wise words to Blaze. As she was getting ready to record vocals for a large band, Blaze, who always seems so cool and self-confident, was having jitters and worrying about failing was such a great opportunity to really take her career to the next level. Luckily, Christina came in and was able to reassure Blaze that she needed to go forward to do her best and not worry about failing. But, think about succeeding we all spend so much time worrying about looking like a fool or what were people saying and talk about this quite a bit on the podcast being independent of the good opinions of others as Dr. Dyers talks about and the good citizens of Port Charles in general don't worry they follow their passion and find their new purpose and change the world every day Look at Miss Carly Corinthos, who's helped stave off mob wars. She's been poor. She's been wealthy and poor again. But she's rebuilding her life, building back. And can you imagine what some people are saying about her? Some of those catty citizens in Port Charles. But who cares? She is rebuilding her life. She's enjoying every day with her new love, Drew. She's going to rebuild her life and make things happen. Truly. Think about these great characters who are going through the week and how they pursue life and meet challenges and don't get wrapped up in worrying about failing. And it's so awesome that these wise words came from Christina, who has herself had periods where she was a bit lost and she got involved with the professor at Port Charles U a few years ago who took advantage of her and her youth. And she's had these periods, but she's come through and gathered herself and now she's this wise young woman and she has fabulous parents of course, Sunny Corinthos and Alexis Davis, but she really had to rebuild herself and build up her self-confidence and now she gets to spread that and keep changing the world and changing Blaze's life and we can see a potential relationship coming there, I love it, happy to see Christina's gonna finally have some love in her life and it'll be interesting to see how Blaze grows and gets through these trying times. Remember, if you're facing something this week, think about the Christina Blaze conversation and don't worry about failing. Think of what if I succeed and how about that? It'll change my life for the better. Shine and do your best. Yes. All right. That's all for this week on General Hospital Saves the World. I hope you have a great week, a great Sunday evening. Get out there and be like the good citizens of Port Charles and save the world. And remember... I'm always looking for guests for the podcast. If your life has been changed by General Hospital, I'd love to have you on. And as always, check us out at C-A-T-T-E-E girls on Instagram.